Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Let's get into our message. There's so many teachings of Jesus, so many teachings of Jesus that cut across human culture. The countercultural things, things that Jesus said and things that he, he put out there that are the opposite of what the world thinks. Some of the things Jesus said would be like outrageous for us today to think that they were, you know, politically correct. Um, and I think probably one of the most countercultural things that Jesus ever said back then and still very much countercultural today, it's a claim that Jesus made and it's probably the most politically incorrect thing that Jesus may have ever said. And it came out in these words in John 14, 6, which will be on screen. And it says, oh no, that's not what's on the screen. <laughs> this one. Jesus answered, um, read it with me, church, ready? I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, that's a pretty narrow-minded thing to say, isn't it? I mean, that cuts right across culture. That cuts right across. It's anti-cultural for us today to think if Jesus came in and said, no one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one pathway, he's saying. There's only one pathway for humankind to have a relationship with God. It sounds a bit bigoted, doesn't it? It sounds a bit snobbish, would you say? For some people out there, there's, there's something inside of them that just cannot cope with this statement that Jesus put out there. I mean, we live in a world with endless options, really, endless options in every area of our life. I mean, why not have multiple options to God and pathways that we could get to God? There's a million different options regarding spirituality out there. They can't all be wrong, can they? I mean, some of them, at least, some of them must be the right way to God. It's hard to accept for some people that what Jesus said, that there's only one way to God. I mean, why limit yourself of all the options just to Christianity when there's so many spiritual pathways out there that all lead to their concept or their truth of what God is? I mean, there's Buddhism and Hare Krishna and Baha'i and inner peace movement and transcendental meditation and Scientology and Islam and Muslim and Hinduism and Jehovah's Witness and Mormonism and children of God, Masonic order, Unitarianism, psychic readings, palm readings, tarot cards, seances, spiritualism, astrology, clairvoyance, telepathy, witchcraft, the new age, the new atheism, etc., etc., etc. That's just a few of the options of spiritual pathways that all claim to their own gods. I remember quite a few years ago, I attended a New Age festival down in Sydney, a New Age festival, and uh, it, helped, it helped me. I was actually helping on uh, one of the expo stands. I wasn't part of the New Age, just so you know, at that time. Um, I was on one of the stands in Sydney helping, and we had a stand there. We called it the Christ Consciousness Stand. The Christ Consciousness Stand, right there in the middle of all the New Age Festival. And we were there, literally tens of thousands of people poured through spiritual seekers, seeking and investigating and looking for spiritual answers and, and trying to find their truth or their choice or, you know, their faith choice. And I had to chat to a group in there as I walked around myself at one of my breaks. And, and I remember talking to a group called the Raelians. Has anyone heard of the Raelians? Yeah, the Raelians, they are honestly believed that they were a select group of people, a select few who were aliens here on earth, 
and it was actually a religion. This religion was formed back in 1974 by a guy named Claude Varillon. The Raelian movement teaches that life on Earth was scientifically created by a species of extraterrestrials. And members of this species appeared human, and when having personal contact with descendants of the humans they made, they were mistaken for angels or gods. And Raelians believe messengers or prophets include people like and Buddha and Jesus and others who came to inform humans. Now this cult was organized into seven key levels and had a hierarchy and literally thousands and thousands of people are a part of this religion. Some weird stuff. I've only just touched the surface with that one. But I often ask the questions, why do reasonable people hold on to unreasonable beliefs? And I guess we're all searching for something. Every one of us is searching for God. And until you find Jesus Christ, you are always going to be on that search. And I want to show you why today. Today I want to ask you a question. How is it? How is it that Jesus Christ could actually claim to be the only way to God? And if he is, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? And as you would expect, being a Christian myself, I actually believe that Jesus was telling the truth. And I actually believe, I have good reasons to believe this, and I don't think that it's just out of arrogance or being bigoted or snobbish. I actually believe I have some good reasons why Jesus could claim this. And when you look closely at this statement, it makes really good sense because we're all searching for an answer and God gave it to us very clearly in Jesus. We all want it and we all need a pathway that's clear to God. And God created that pathway for us. And that's why this single statement is one of the most powerful and important statements that Jesus ever made. And it's one of the most important pieces of information that our planet needs to hear about and hear about urgently. So why is it so hard that we could stomach this? Why is it hard for the world to stomach this? Because I think it's because it's countercultural at the core. It cuts against the grain of how we want our lives and, and what's acceptable in our secular lives. It limits us to one way to God. It doesn't tolerate other ways to God. And tolerating is one of the values of our society. We tolerate anything. We tolerate everything. We tolerate all these different mistruths and misleading ideas. We just live to tolerate them. But Jesus didn't tolerate it. He said there is one way, one truth, one life, and you cannot get there except through me. He was countercultural. And I don't think we like to be limited. When it comes down to it, it's hard to accept that Jesus' words here because they strike at the core of, I think today I'll share three core myths, three myths that we could say. Some of you here might hold on to some of these beliefs, but I want to smash those beliefs for you today. Do you want to know what they are? Thank you for that one person. Everyone else can leave now, okay? All right, here we go. Myth number one. Myth number one, all religions are basically the same. Have you all heard that before? Yeah. All religions are basically the same. They're all going to lead to God somehow. You're going to, we're all going to end up there someday. I've heard that so many times. I'm sure you've heard it, that when you strip it right back down to the fundamentals of religion, they're all saying the same thing, that they're all just different spiritual pathways. They're going to lead to the top of the mountain, and we're all going to meet God up there one day. And they're pathways that would encourage people to stick together with love and kindness and universal fatherhood of the great God that we all have. And I agree that there are some similarities between the many religions that are out there. And that's why this is so enticing 
for people. But when Jesus stands up and says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, in that one statement, in those 19 words that Jesus said, he is boldly putting himself and Christianity as an exclusive way to God. He is not accepting, he is not tolerating anything else. Because if the path to God is only through Jesus Christ himself, then Christianity cannot be reconciled with any other religion or pathway, the spiritual pathway that's out there in the world today. Not a single, single pathway. That's why it's called a narrow path. There is only one way and it's a straight path. If you put your feet on that straight path and put your trust into Jesus with all your heart, then he will take you to heaven for eternal life. But we have to walk his path. Let me help you understand when Jesus was saying this because of the uniqueness of Christianity and the uniqueness of Jesus Christ himself. He could say these words. Other religious leaders would say things like, follow me and I'll show you how to find the truth. But Jesus said, I am the truth. Jesus claimed to be the truth. He said, I'm the truth that will set you free. Other religious leaders would say, follow me and I'll show you a way to salvation. And Jesus said, I am salvation and I give you eternal life. I have came to seek and save the lost. Other leaders would say, follow me and I'll show you how to become enlightened. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Other religious leaders would say, follow me and I'll lead you to the door that leads to God. Jesus would say, I am the door. He called himself, he claimed himself of all these things. No other religious leader claimed these things except Jesus because he was the son of God and he was God. He was God in the flesh. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that the word became flesh. And he says that, that the word is the truth and the truth is what sets you free. So Jesus was the word in the flesh. That means he's the truth. When he died on the cross for us, he set us free. He gave us salvation to set us free. So Jesus is the truth. So Jesus is saying here, based on who I am, he is the I am. Jesus is God. He claimed deity. He claimed to be not only the Son of God, but God himself, God in the flesh, the truth. No other religious leader claimed that. You see the differences? You cannot harmonize religions of the world. There are some key differences here that Christianity is set apart from all others. It's exclusive. The thing about Jesus I love is he's absolutely inclusive too. While he says, I'm exclusive and the only way, and cuts everyone else out, at the same time, he says, I'm inclusive. I've come to seek and save the lost and that I don't want one person to perish. Please come in. My grace is sufficient for all of you, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins. And so he says, everyone come in because he came to save the whole world. And that's a difference. One difference, as I've discovered also, is that every other religion that I've ever researched, or, and as a spiritual seeker, looking at spiritual seekers, looking at other religions, you know, they require us to do things. They require us to do something to build a relationship with God or to get there. You know, there's things like using a Tibetan prayer wheel or maybe like going on a pilgrimage or giving alms to the poor or avo avoiding, um, sorry, avoiding eating certain foods. There's things that you could do, performing rituals or going and doing how many good deeds can you do this week, uh, praying in a certain way, going through cycles of reincarnation and, and uh, over you know, religious rituals and whatever. 
They're all just attempts that people have to reach out to God, to have a relationship with God. And the big difference is that Jesus Christ's life and his death and his resurrection was God reaching out to us. It's not us reaching out to God. We, we can't do anything to reach out to God. He reached out to us and gave us his son, Jesus Christ. God created that pathway to himself by sending his only son, Jesus Christ. He said that nobody could do anything to get into heaven on their own. You will, may as well stop trying right now. Because we're all guilty of sin. We're all guilty of doing something wrong, some wrongdoing in our hearts. And that's consistent with human nature. And every single person in the world today is cursed with the curse of sin. We were born with that curse. And that's why we need a savior. We need the perfect, pure, holy blood of Jesus Christ that we could be, we sung about it. There's nothing but the blood of Jesus that can wash away my sins. Remember that one? The first song. It was beautiful. That's the message of what we have here. And, and Jesus said that this wrongdoing that's in our hearts, this sin that's in our hearts, is what separates us from God, because God is holy and perfect. Have you had a time when you felt that disconnection from God? I've had those times where I felt that disconnection from God. Maybe your rebellion or your sin is what separated you from God because he's holy, and I fell into some sin, and I felt that distance, a sense of... I, since I lost his presence in my life at that point. I didn't really, because God has never left me or forsaken me. His presence is with me. God is omnipresent. But my um, awareness of his presence was lost because I was in sinfulness and his presence is holy. So I, I had this sense of distance from him. But God has never left me. Amen? It's just me having to turn around and come back to him, in a sense. My own repentance, turning back to him. Um, but our wrongdoing needs to be paid for. Something needs to pay the price. And because he loved us, because God loved us so much, he gave his son Jesus to do that for us as a substitute, as a penalty, because God's saying, you don't have to pay the price. This is a free gift. And so Jesus can pay the price. And that's what the Bible says in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Oh, wrong one. Doesn't matter. That was God creating the pathway to himself. I mean, God made the path. He made the straight path. And I mean, he is God. He created this universe. He can design the path however he wants. Amen? He made the path. And he is to choose how we're to live that relationship with God. And so it says in 1 Timothy 1.15, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And he chose to do it through love and humility and through making a sacrifice for us. It says in 1 Timothy 2, 3 to 6, this is a good and pleasing, to pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as, transform, as a ransom for all people. All we have to do is believe in our hearts and turn toward him in worship, receiving that gift of grace, the gift of love and forgiveness. And we become reunited with him forever because of what God has done for us, not for what we can do for him. We can't do anything to get to heaven, but he has done everything for us to get to heaven. Isn't that beautiful? That's a gift of grace. Other religions are spelt D-O, do. 
do this because they teach you you must do these things to somehow have this way to their idea of who God is. But we know that Jesus paid the ransom. God has already done, D-O-N-E, everything for us to have a relationship with him. And Christianity is spelt that way, D-O-N-E, because it's all done on the cross. It's a gift. And that's the big difference between us understanding Christianity and other religions. But there are other things that set Christianity apart too. Like Christianity claims that there is one eternal God who created the universe. Hinduism says that everything is God and that you are God and I am God and the, the music stand here is God. That's what Hinduism says. Islam denies that Jesus even is God. Islam denies that Jesus died for our sins. I mean, I could go on and on with the differences between religions and key beliefs. The point of it is that all of these beliefs are conflicting and cannot all be true at the same time because they contradict each other. So all religions are not the same, which means that all religions are not true, which means that all religions do not lead to God. And I guess I'm saying this because I believe so strongly that it does matter which path you follow and what spiritual journey that you're on. Is it your path, is it created by other people who rose up as religious leaders and wrote down some crazy ideas and that you've just been hooked into it? Or is it a path that was created by God himself who reached down to you from heaven with love because he loves you, because he made you and he wants to know you and have a relationship with you again? Jesus himself dispels the myth, number one. Myth number two, that this is one philosophy among many. Now, this is kind of related to the first myth. It says that even though Christianity is different, it's still just one philosophy among many and only is, is as valid as every other religion. It's saying all religions have equal claim to truth. You have your truth, I have my truth, everywhere a truth truth. That's the world we live in, right? This is appealing to us here in Australia because that's our way of culture. It reflects that attitude that we should tolerate anything and everything. Today I identify as this, tomorrow I identify as that. This is my truth for now. Your truth is fine, I'll accept that too. And we all go on like that about our merry way. That's good, isn't it? It's confusing because it's not right and it's not true and Satan is in the midst of confusion and God is in the midst of clarity. And I want to clarify something today. There is one truth and one way and one life and it's in Jesus Christ. It's clear. The Bible says it. It's true. The Bible tells us not to follow culture but to follow him. It tells us that beliefs will be led by other people, will be led astray by other visionaries and leaders and governments and marketing and media and business owners and corporations who have control over us. And educators and government, they have control over us. And these are for, they form our cultural beliefs and start steering our culture in different directions. I remember as a kid growing up, I never had to deal with the stuff that we're dealing with today on the... 20 years later, 30, 40 years later, right? <laughs> but so much has happened in three decades in our world. What's going to happen in the next three decades to our world for our young people and what they have to deal with? They have to be crystal clear on this, on these truths. 
and base something, like stand on the, the rock, on the word of God, because everything else is shifting sands. We are, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. We are not to follow culture. The word of God can be very countercultural, and again, that statement of Jesus says it all. Uh, let's have a look at 1 Timothy 4, 1-2. It says, The Spirit clearly says that in the later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. 4.7, it says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. In 6, 20 to 21, it says, Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which have become or which have processed, professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. Verse 3 and 4 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, it tickles their own ears, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Isn't that interesting? You see, here in Australia, all religious viewpoints are equally protected. Did you know that? But that does not mean that they're all true, right? People out there should never assume because all religions are equally protected that they're all equally valid and equally true. It's just not the case. The truth is that people will follow whatever their itching ears want to hear at that moment. And oftentimes, just not the truth. But because all religions are accepted here, I guess that means anybody could stand up and make the claim as Jesus did. I mean, for example... Simon over here could stand up among us right now and he could make the claim before us. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to God except through me. What are we all going to do with that? How do we know that he's not telling us the truth? Well, I'd ask the question, okay, Simon, how do you back up your claim? How do you back up that claim? Prove it to us. You see, Jesus made that claim real. He backs it up, which makes it uniquely credible from any other person who's ever stood up and claimed to be God in the flesh. For example, Jesus authenticated his claims by being God by living a life without sin. He's the only man who ever lived without sin. Isn't that amazing? What else did he do? He embodied the very nature and the character of God. What else did he do? He fulfilled dozens of century-old prophecies that we read all throughout the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled. What else did he do? He performed great miracles in broad daylight in front of skeptics. What else did he do? He demonstrated the power over nature when he calmed storms, stilled seas, over sickness when he healed diseases instantly, over death when he raised Lazarus from the dead, over death when he rose up from the dead. It says he fulfilled his own prediction and rose up from the dead. See, 
This was witnessed by over 500 witnesses, which is recorded in history. It sparked a spiritual revolution that continues 2,000 years later. Here we are today. We're over a third of the world's population, the fastest growing religion, if we call it a religion. Faith in the world today is Christianity. Jesus backs up his statement. And I know if Simon said that to us today, he couldn't back it up like that. You see, to make a claim, you have to have credibility. You have to have a reason behind it. You have to be able to claim the truth with reason. Christianity is not just a philosophy of a religion. It's a reality. Jesus didn't make a claim that it was empty claims. He validated every claim with convincing evidence for us like nobody else ever did throughout history. Isn't that amazing? So this second myth that Christianity is just another philosophy among many, it's just not true because Jesus validated himself through his unique credentials unlike any other spiritual leader ever did. In other words, when he claims to be God, he can back it up. Now, myth number three, Christians must be narrow-minded. Well, I would agree with this statement if the reality was that there were many pathways to God. I agree. But from what I've just shared with you, there's not many pathways to God. There's one pathway to God, so this, I am not narrow-minded. Does that make sense? It would be narrow-minded, but it's not what I'm saying here. What, what we're saying is the truth of the matter is that somebody has got to pay for the penalty of our obvious sins, our obvious wrongdoings, and no other religious leader has ever paid for my sins. Only Jesus Christ is the one who offered his life and gave his, has sacrificed his life for you and I, and as God himself with holy blood washed away my sins. He's the only one who did that. Anyone would know, do you know someone else who did that? Not a single other person all throughout history ever sacrificed their life claiming to shed their blood for the forgiveness of the sins of all humans. And that's what Jesus willingly went to the cross to do, willingly sacrificed in the most torturous way possible his life for you and I. Amazing. If it's based on evidence and simply saying the truth, then it's not narrow-minded at all. I remember when my son Ethan was born, he suffered with jaundice uh, in those early days there. And um, it's a dis- disorder of the liver. You all heard of jaundice, right? And the skin turns yellow and the wh- whites of your eyes goes a little bit yellow. And they made Ethan stay in an extra couple of nights in the hospital. And it's always a bit concerning at first because as a, a new parent or as a parent of a new baby, while it's potentially devastating uh, disease, thankfully it's really easily cured as well. The doctor said, all you need to do is put your baby in under this light, this special light somehow stimulates the functioning of the liver and it sorts it all out and cures the baby. Uh, so I responded to the doctor. I said, no, <clears throat> no, that, just, uh, that sounds too easy. Uh, what, just put him under a light? How, how about we just scrub him with some soap and some water and maybe some bleach? If we just work hard enough, let's just work hard enough on him that we could scrub him up and get him out in back to normal colour. 
And the doctor said to me, you don't understand. There's only one way that you can cure your son, just one way. And I said, well, how about we just sort of ignore all of this and pretend everything's okay because jaundice is not your, my truth. It might be your truth, but it's not my truth. I mean, if we sincerely believe that, then things are going to turn out just right for him in the long haul, right? And the doctor said, you're putting your baby's life in danger. There's only one way. Now, I know it sounds too easy, but look, look at the credentials on my wall here. I've been doing this a long time. I've studied it. I'm experienced. You have to listen to me. I've done this so many times. Trust me. We just have to put him under the light. Trust me. Well, Ethan's 19 years old now, and you've seen him lead worship here, so you know he survived, right? So you know what I decided to do with him, right? I didn't really have those conversations with the doctor, but I could have. But we put him under the light. It's not narrow-minded to believe something that's true. Why would it be narrow-minded to believe a truth? Church, the truth is that each and every person in this room has a terminal illness, and it's called sin. The reason that those of us who follow Jesus cling to Jesus so tightly is because our physician has the only cure for the disease of sin. And you will never be able to scrub yourself up and clean yourself up and do your own thing or ignore it and hope it goes away. Because it never will go away. You could be so sincere about finding other ways and dealing with your sin and guilt and following all sorts of religious pathways that make you feel right and feel good. And Christianity doesn't always make you feel good, amen? Sometimes Christianity is a hard road. It's not always a bed of roses, but I would still take that sufferings at times because it's true. So when we turn to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, we're not being narrow-minded and snobbish. We're being rational. It's not because Christians are better than anyone else, because we're all equally loved by God. All eight billion of us on this planet but the world is in trouble, big trouble. Do you know that there are 1.8 billion Muslims in the world? That's a quarter of the world's population. That's the second largest religion. 900 million Hindus making it the third largest. 470 million Buddhists, 16 million Jews, and guess how many Christians? About 10 years ago, I remember looking this up, and there was 1.9 billion Christians. So in the last 10 years, approximately, 400 million new Christians, which means we now have around 2.3 billion Christians. There are 7.8 billion people in the world today, so take off the 2.3 billion Christians, and that means that there are 5.5 billion people alive today who are not followers of Jesus Christ, who are not followers of the narrow path, the way, the truth, the life, who are not going to heaven for eternal life with God. Five and a half billion people. And what I want everyone to remember today is that being part of God's family 
is an open door to all 7.8 billion people in the world today. Jesus made an exclusive statement, but his heart is 100% inclusive. 100% inclusive. The rich, the poor, the black, the white, ethnic heritage, doesn't matter. Where you live, what you do, what your background is, the things you've done, no matter your background, how good you've been, how bad you've been, the door is open wide because the entry into this family of God is not based on what you do, but based on what he has done. And all we need to do is accept the invitation and he will never close the door on a single person. You don't have to go and get scrubbed up first and say, oh, here I am, God, I've got sorted out my life. No, he says, come to me and then I'll help you sort out your life. Come to me as you are, accept you fully. Everything you've ever done, I accept you. Don't try and sort it out yourself. My son took care of that. Jesus took care of that on the cross. Once you come and receive that gift of grace, that gift of salvation, then we'll sort out that stuff. We'll start to work it out together. Let's have our worship team come and we'll share communion.